called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. It's a serious question. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. You're listening to Just Ask the Question, Adventures in Reporting with your host, Brian Karam. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today we're with uh, a Democratic activist and a contractor now, former DNC member, Adam Parkamenko. And Adam worked with the 2016 uh, Hillary campaign and has worked with uh, Donna Brazil. And we're glad to have him here today to answer all our questions about the Democratic Party. Adam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, glad to be here. And so to just ask the question, what the hell happened to the Democrats? Uh, yesterday, today, 2016. <laughs> well, let's start with 2016. Let's. I, I was at the Democratic National Convention, and I remember leaving there, and I had two impressions. One, there was a point in time where uh, I think it was uh, Hillary Clinton got up and said, no, no, wait a minute, it was, maybe it was Kane. But someone got up and said, listen, if you like the party of Abraham Lincoln, you want to be with us, yeah. which is kind of odd, I thought. And then secondly, I remember leaving that convention thinking there's no way in hell the Democrats are going to win because they're so split apart. I mean, you had the Bernie bros at the far end who were not going to take – I mean, they didn't even want to accept Hillary as their nominee right. and said they would vote for Jill Stein or not vote or vote for Trump. And I think uh, coming out of that convention, you guys were fractured and had a hell of a problem getting it together, obviously, because you lost. Yeah, I think there were a number of different things that happened, uh, both through the primary and through the general. And you, know, I, I, you could probably put it in five different buckets. I think there'd be a bunch of people that would suggest that it was one or two things, you know, and try to find an easy way out by either just blaming the media. Um, oh, we get to blame for everything. Yeah. <laughs> but I, from a kind of an organizing standpoint, uh, if you boil it down, I actually would say that, you know, Robbie Mook spent a lot of time trying to boil the ocean, which is not just, you know, not possible. Um, and uh, in one sentence, uh, he focused on data as a goal instead of data as uh, a tool to achieve a goal. Um, and you saw that uh, kind of in, in a number of different ways, but specifically there was a lot of uh, things coming out about not having polling in certain areas. People weren't hearing numbers. It was very kind of Brooklyn-driven as opposed to what was going on on the ground in the states and what people were flagging. Do you think the Democratic Party ever came to grips with why Donald Trump won? And and let's not talk about Russian hacking yet, but let's talk about the fact that the Democrats didn't campaign in Michigan. Um, They kind of seemed to have lost their way. As I said, at some point in time, they were comparing themselves to if you wanted to be an old-style Republican, join the Democrats. Yeah, it's... One of the biggest problems that Democrats have, and I think this is something that, uh, for all of his distractors at the time, Howard Dean did really well when he was DNC chair. He understood that the DNC had uh, really three things that it focused on, which is, uh, in the rules and bylaws and charter, it literally says presidential primaries, presidential conventions, and all of the time supporting state and local parties. And that's key, because if you look at a state like Michigan, you can't just come in there three weeks out from a primary lose to Bernie Sanders, and then pack up shop again and have that be the last uh, uh, organization that comes online. They need resources all the time. And in 2018, um, same thing in states like Michigan and Iowa, 
the state parties were in a place in September where they were literally not going to make payroll, but by the end of October they had more money than they knew what to do with. And so you need to have the long game. You can't just pack all this stuff in the attic and dust it off um, as it gets closer. And I think that was a key that happened in 2016 is, you know, you know, for all of the great things that Barack Obama did as a president, he was incredibly weak politically. It was not, I think know, he did not build your bench strength worth a shit. Right. We lost up to a thousand seats over eight years. Um, the DNC was really just a vehicle uh, to do much of his uh, travel and reimbursements on the political side. It, but it wasn't the DNC that a Bill Clinton ran where it had a strong arm in the White House that worked every single day with the DNC. Um, similar to, you know, whether they use it the right way or not, uh, for all of the, the failures of George Bush too, they had a political arm that worked with the RNC. Right. So you're going to you're going to tell me that in some ways you agree with the Trumpers when they say uh, the Democrats lost because of Obama. Well, I think that uh, you know there's a number of different things that you can point to, but I think that uh, one of the things that is really important right now for Democrats not to do is the same thing they've done over the years. Back in 2014, they did a, a lessons learned, and they spent all this money. Um, uh, putting together something after the election, and it just sat there on a shelf. They didn't actually utilize it and make changes. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds and reasons why um, uh, Hillary was not uh, in a position to have an organization that was very strong backing her. And, there, well, <clears throat> so that takes me back to, you know, Donald Trump said, as said on a number of occasions, the Democrats are upset. Uh, and that they should have won the 2016 election. He said that himself. Where is the Democratic Party today? Have they learned their lessons? Do they understand why Trump won? And can they mount a campaign in 2020 successfully against him? I think that uh, a number of people are not waiting on uh, the national party itself, but they're going out there and doing things. Um, you know, one of the you know things that a lot of people like to say is, uh, ask for forgiveness, not for permission, but you don't need for forgiveness for doing the right thing. And I think if I had been Tom Perez, what I would have done is uh, exactly what Howard Dean did, which is focus on those three things, um, presidential primary, presidential convention, but more importantly, making sure that our, our parties are strong and uh, uh, within campaign finance uh, limits and rules and regulations, bringing all of these outside organizations to the table and making sure that again, within campaign finance limits, they were coordinating to the best of their ability. That's not something that you see happen. Um, and and so, you know, uh, the party itself is weak, too. Um, I've said over and over, weakness invites aggression, and um, it's not just the DNC. How is it weak? It's weak because it doesn't fight back. you got to use, uh, you gotta, you got to turn things like Citizens United upside down on its head and use it against them. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so what I always say is you can't unilaterally disarm. You got to, uh, you got to hit them hard and, and hit them back. That's the James Carville attitude, and it's it's the way to do it. Um, look what look what's happening right now on the Hill. I've said over and over for months that you know people like McGahn will say no, the White House will say no, it'll go to court, and maybe three years from now we'll find out what happens. And you know one of the interesting things here is a lot of people step up and say, well. We just had a win in this court, or this is moving. Not not all of these are one in the same. Some of these are going to take two weeks or four weeks. Some of these are going to take years. And Democrats are going to have a, uh, an aha moment. They probably won't, but they will. Two years from now, when they realize that Donald Trump got reelected, 
and it's because he takes care of his base. You know, what, why did Democrats take back Congress? Why did all these people put money and energy and time into these campaigns so that Adam Schiff could go on TV? Um, you know, it's just, it's <laughs> I'd it's like nuts. to think money was better spent than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes it seems like our leadership needs a reminder that we, in fact, won the House. It's pretty incredible what House Republicans are able to do in the minority. Well, and why not pursue, why, and, and with that being said, Nancy Pelosi is still saying no impeachment. Why not pursue impeachment? You had impeachment pursued against Bill Clinton over a blowjob, lying about a blowjob. The Republicans swore if Hillary Clinton got elected, they would begin impeachment proceedings immediately. Right. And yet the Democrats seem like they're too afraid to do anything and they're in charge. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, as we sit here and talk, it's easy to sound like, you know, I'm just bashing my own party. But no, the, party, the party needs a wake-up call. And, I, and, and really, this is the only party that could look at the Mueller report and say this is a losing hand. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. Mitch McConnell knows the only the only losing hand this is is for the, the president. Yeah. And and so, you know, one way or another, this is going to impeachment. But when you have hundreds of former prosecutors coming out and saying impeachably there are felonies here or Rudy Giuliani going on TV and 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 still welcoming help from from Russia and folks who have never uh, who have been, you know, Pretty careful. Or Jared saying, I don't even know if I'm going to call the FBI. If I, right. That was an Axios piece that came out. Jonathan Swift did a great job uh, in an interview with um, with Jared, who said, I don't even know if I, you know, I don't like to deal in hypotheticals. Well, you have security clearance. It really isn't. I mean, that's one of the questions they're going to ask you. It's it's pretty. Top security clearance. <laughs> yeah, you know. Cut and dry. The Russians approach you. You tell the FBI. Right. It's like if you see a murder, you call the cops. Washington Post reporter. You know, murdered by the Saudis. We still don't know where his body is. And Jared Kushner is communicating with MBS over WhatsApp. Yeah, that's... And but, helping, them, helping them with the fallout. Amen. And, and, but let's go back to, you know, I, 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 we, I could spend days on that. Um, but to go back to the Democrats, do you agree with Tom Perez who says that uh, Democrats, you know, shouldn't be on Fox in a, in a uh, town hall? So the, or a debate? The, that's one of the few things that I actually uh, I agree on to a certain point, and I've been out there very vocal about this, and the reason being Fox News came out over the last two years, and they said that they were conducting an internal investigation in the lies that were reported um, on Seth Rich and his family in, in the murder. And they said that they would make that public. So I've always said the line in the sand is Fox News at the very least, needs to let us know how that happened and what happened and what the results were of the internal investigation. And to refresh memory, Seth Rich was? Seth Rich was a, a DNC staffer that was uh, murdered in Washington, D.C., um, and, and used by all sorts of conspiracy theorists that have pushed tons of other ones like Pizzagate and others, um, you know, suggesting that it was uh, an inside job and, you know, all sorts of other things because he was, quote-unquote, uh, working with Russia. And, of course, none of that was true. Right. And so you think that in order for the Democrats to be involved with Fox, at the very least, Fox ought to come clean with? I think at the very least that should be the line in the sand. And I've said, as Democrats are going on Fox, that they need to, you know, make sure that they send an apology note to Seth Rich's family after doing that. 
because they shouldn't be doing that. And, and you know, every single day, Fox gives us a new reason why we should not be there and what they will turn around and do with that night after night after night. That one hour does not make up for what they do to those individuals like Mayor Pete, um, you know, at 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. day after day after he went on. So let's uh, talk a little bit about, I guess, moving forward for 2020. Uh, I hear in your voice consternation or at least concern that Donald Trump will be reelected. Well, I think that whoever the Democratic nominee is, we're going to be running against Donald Trump. We're going to be running against Fox News, Facebook, Twitter, Russia, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, um, apparently the New York Times. Uh, and, Why the New York Times? You know, the, the Biden hit that they still haven't stepped up. We've had numerous uh, media organizations and outlets that have uh, debunked this this Biden hit uh, by Ken Vogel and uh, the other individual on the byline who apparently is now the spokesperson to the new president of Ukraine. I mean, I just, to me, that was completely wild. Um, and, you know, they... Uh, and explain the Biden hit. You know, the thing with the Biden hit is basically, you know, Rudy Giuliani and Paul Manafort and Sarah Huckabee Sanders and others for for years, this isn't new, it's been, it's been in the works for years, have tried to suggest that it was, in fact, Hillary Clinton, the DNC, and Democrats that colluded with Ukraine, not Trump that colluded with Russia. And so what Rudy Giuliani has tried to do is uh, push that story um, uh, uh, with the, uh, the bar, quote-unquote, memo being baked in because Democrats weren't fighting back. Um, they, they, they've tried to do a 180 on this whole thing and make it look like it was, in fact, Democrats that colluded with Ukraine, and that's not the truth. And the thing I find funny about that is, <clears throat> logically, what they're telling you is that the Democrats colluded with the Ukraine or Russia in order to get Donald Trump elected. It's wild. It, it's, I mean, the, the logic of that is alarmingly and appallingly wild. And the other thing, which I... Th I think this is more of a long-term thing to kind of watch for, but the other, you know, the other thing is people in Ukraine aren't stupid, right? They, they have been attacked by Russia year after year. Putin, you know, takes inch after inch every day, whether it's uh, uh, Crimea, which, you know, wouldn't be surprised in the long term if he's leasing it back to Ukraine where it's their <laughs> land. And for, for Rudy Giuliani to also think that they're stupid enough to buy into what he's doing and going along with is totally nuts too because they're they've got to be looking at this thinking these guys are in bed with russia right right <clears throat> what's your biggest fear going into 2020 as think, a democrat i think that my biggest fear is making sure that we fight back and i think a number of people are going to be doing that on the outside because on the outside you can do things in an area where um uh, on the soft money side, you're barred from coordinating with the candidate. And right. So they really can't tell you no. And I think that's the area to play. But I, my biggest fear is that we don't have a Democrat, Democratic nominee who is a fighter, who can land a punch in Trump's face, and who can defeat Donald Trump. And I think we've been seeing the polls growing you know, month after month, where typically someone would say, oh, my number one issue is um, the environment or climate change. Now what you're seeing is, is people want somebody who can defeat Donald Trump. And you're seeing people in the 
uh, Democrats in the primary being rewarded for that, whether they're the nominee or not, whether someone likes Elizabeth Warren or not. What I what I've been saying recently is you don't have to ask your side. You don't have, you don't have to ask yourself whose side Elizabeth Warren is on. Right. And when she gets a question, is Donald Trump a liar? She says yes. Others are saying, well, you know, the liars agree with him, and you know, should we impeach Donald Trump? Yes, absolutely. You know, she's a, she's right on Fox, and and that's that's what it comes down to. And I've actually thought for a long time that uh, Donald Trump did a really good job hitting her and baking that in. But at the same time, she's been able to land a punch, and she is speaking to the base. And I think the the, the key so here. So you support her. I don't support her, but I think that Democrats need to look, Democrats that are running for president need to look at what she's saying and doing, because tra chasing 20 people across, you know, 20 different counties in three different states who have already made up their minds is not where it's at. We need to speak to our base and get our base out and not try to You have a larger base. And I think that, all right, so I'll, I'll put it to you this way. The way I've always looked at it is the Republicans in 2020, I can't tell you anyone that privately in the GOP in Congress, in the Senate or the House, who tells me that they like Donald Trump personally. In fact, they all say the exact opposite. But they will hold their nose and vote for the guy because, A, he's bringing in the judges and the policy that they like, and B, they're scared that if they say something against Donald Trump, someone even farther to the right will challenge them in a primary, and they don't want a primary challenge. Right. And that's the same that the Republican the, members in Congress are, are worried that he's going to do two tweets and they're going to have a huge problem. Although I think that the Kentucky race was interesting. Well, with, Kentucky's always interesting. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, Bevin, um, you know, Bevin barely getting over 50% and having Trump support is fascinating. I mean, it, it could be more isolated to Kentucky, but at the same time. Well, Kentucky is a different breed, and Bevin, people will bitch, but they don't vote, really don't vote. Right. They all bitch about him. They all bitch about Mitch. They all bitch about Rand Paul, and none of them vote. Right. And the only people that vote are in Louisville, and there's a million people there, and then there's four million other people in the state. Right. So it's that's a bit of a problem but to summarize what you were saying though in that one line I've heard this from some Republicans too and this is why I don't think we should spend our time trying to chase these voters that we're never going to get they'll say I don't really like him but look at the people who don't like him right right and they so I say the Republicans will hold their nose and vote for Donald Trump and you Democrats are going to kill each other eating each other trying to find the perfect candidate that you'll never find without ever realizing why Donald Trump won in the first place and B, how to defeat him in 2020. And I think the, I think the base is is key. That's where it's all at. You know, whether you look at um, some of these recent elections where we, we, we came pretty close, uh, Andrew Gillum, Stacey Abrams, I mean, these folks were speaking directly to the base, and they came very close, and they didn't have the resources they should have had. And many of them, if you look at Georgia, Florida, two great examples where got all sorts of problems. They might be different problems, but for years people have made it hard to vote. In Georgia, it was hard to vote on Election Day in Georgia. Florida is just a total disaster. Well, I, I think this country is a total disaster. Right? I mean, we're moving backwards in right. so many areas. Right. Let's take, for example, you know, for example, you know, a woman's right to choose. That has been settled for a long time, and now 
you're finding it coming up again because people think with Trump in that they can, you know, the, the born agains, the, the the evangelicals are all saying, hey, uh, this is our shot. This is, and it may be the last shot, you know, for the great white hope. But well, if you look at if you look at Bill Barr, he sure as hell looks like someone who uh, and sounds like someone and is taking the action. Someone that looks like maybe he wants a potential Supreme Court seat if one opens up. Yeah, think. Bill Barr reminds me of somebody that got kicked out of the cast to leave it to Beaver, but that's he's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, but that's I, and he is I think he, you know, Donald Trump found his Roy Cohn, yeah, or or he found, uh, uh, or Steve Bannon found a set of glasses, right? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, he kind of does, oh, and learn how to shave, yep. <laughs> but yeah, so. It sound, do you feel like uh, it's bleak going into 2020? I don't know that it's bleak. I think that the, the key here is we just can't get sidetracked. We've been through this. We know, we know what we're up against. It's going to be even more. They're welcoming support out in the open the same way that they did in 2016 from Russia, except this time there's more of them welcoming the support. And we just need to stay focused and be real. I mean... There's divides in terms of where people think that resources should go, right? A lot of folks are going to say that we should be Georgia and Texas and Arizona, but the path is still going to be through Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. There are people who, A, don't believe that there's been Russian involvement to this day, and B, people who don't care. Sure. And C, you couldn't turn out the numbers that supported Obama in 2016. The Democrats... It seems to me, you're saying preach to the base, but don't they have to get out the vote? Yeah, absolutely. But I think the key is you need someone who who energizes and excites folks. And I'll, and I'll give you an example again. I'm not supporting Elizabeth Warren. I'm not supporting anybody right now. But if you look at her, it doesn't matter what you felt about her six months or a year ago. Some people were kind of you know in the middle. Some people didn't know what to make of her. I'm seeing a lot of people that are supporting her in this primary that I never would thought supporter because she they feel like she's speaking directly to them and there is a newfound energy towards her and so is there anybody else with any energy in the democratic party i think you're starting to see other people that are moving uh uh towards elizabeth warren kamala harris has made a lot of similar decisions recent in recent days you know as as elizabeth warren's numbers are moving and the makeup of the calendar in the primary caucus early on supports of, of Kamala Harris. The latest the uh, uh, polls still show Biden, you know, with double-digit leads over everybody else. Do you think Biden could pull it off? I think it is a totally unknown. You know, if the election were held today, the numbers seem to support him. Um, there's a long time between now and then, and they seem to know that because... He's about as exciting as dishwater. Yeah. And you don't, but you don't see him anywhere, right? No. He has no schedule. He's not doing much. And, and that might be their strategy is let's see how close we can get without having, without having to do stay. anything <laughs> how close can we get by just sitting here <laughs> like rodan's thinker <laughs> we got our chin on our fist and we're we're just thinking i and there's a lot of americans that would probably love that because they're so exhausted with uh well i think we donald trump is very exhausting i'll give you that and having covered this administration since day one I can tell you, it, there isn't a day that goes by when you just don't go, "What the hell?" Right. <laughs> wait, you don't wait, wait a minute. The news cycle is shredded. It's every five minutes. I mean, I'm happy he's away out of town just so I can get a breath. Yeah, 
<laughs> let, the, let the British handle him for a week. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel sorry for my brothers and sisters who are, who are in the travel pool covering right. him because they get no respite. Right. <laughs> and I was glad not to go on this trip when I was supposed to go. So I, all of that aside, um, and look, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for Donald Trump. I think there are, are plenty, plenty of problems. But when are the Democrats going to wake up? Well, the, the, it, the, it is a huge missed opportunity and problem that they are not fighting right now in the House. We have the majority. We have tons and tons of resources, but the biggest one at our disposal is the impeachment inquiry. And Nadler is involved in it. And I think, I think you're going to see the, the rest of the leadership come around. Otherwise, you're going to have 35 Joe Crowleys this cycle, and that may not be a bad thing. I mean, all of these folks can still be primaried, and most of them are on borrowed time. Yeah. Well, what about Pelosi? You know, I think that if you look at the Democratic Party, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is for all the criticisms that she's not moving fast enough right now, and I'm, you know, I'm one of the people that disagrees with her. I think that we should, be, we should have started impeachment long ago. Um, when she gets to that point, and I think that politically it shouldn't have been delayed, folks will rally behind her. And that will be the end of that. And a lot of people go with wherever the wind goes. Well, for me, and here's the question I've never gotten past, and it's just me as an American, the politics aside, but when Donald Trump, the candidate, stood up on national television and said, Russia, check her emails, I'm sure the media will be happy to, you know, our media would be happy to report what you find. I mean, immediately they started. Five hours later, according to the Mueller investigation, five hours later, the first hacks occurred. Collusion, I don't care about. Conspiracy, what's the point? Obstruction of justice, obviously. But for a candidate for president of the United States to stand up publicly and encourage our greatest enemy to hack the emails of a campaign rival to me is un-American and and I, I he uses the word treasonous I won't but I, I will say criminal and one of the things that I think is uh, uh, either expired or is no longer in place is the agreement in between between the RNC and the DNC which was there was a long-standing um, you know it might have to be a follow-up on this thing but you know the RNC and all these other committees are doing the same thing they're not refusing to use any of this stuff I mean, they're 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 welcoming it. The RNC was hacked too. I mean, that that's a public thing, right? And you know, you don't see anything coming out on any of these others. Why? Because you know, they're they're playing by whatever those set of rules are. I guess. So you think they're cahooting with? Well, I think that um, you know, there's this whole thing is all all sorts of interesting. Whether it's you know having people like. Uh, uh, Brody and Cohen as the the finance vice chairs of the RNC, and you know they're they're gone now. But every single part of this is dirty, down to the win money. I mean, it's just corruption at every single corner. You know, they made up this crazy, insane Pizzagate conspiracy theory that you know affected a lot of people, put a ton of people in harm's way. You had someone with an assault rifle out there, and in the end. Uh, it ended up being someone with Trump that had child pornography. Right, right. And that was, that came, and that came out recently, and it was a witness in the Mueller investigation. It was spun as if it was a witness who was testifying against 
Trump when it is actually someone who was working with Trump. Yep. That's with Trump and on the Trump plane. On the Trump. Well, there you go. I, I mean, he made fun of a handicapped reporter. He said, "Grab him by the pussy." He, I, I he said look, he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. And, and he probably could. If there was could. video of him doing it, he would deny it was him. Yeah. That, that type and later of... later would say it was him, but so what? Do you think the republic is in peril, or do you think we can survive this? I think that the experiment that is the uh, United States is uh, getting the biggest test it ever has, but somehow this country always seems to prevail. I would say it is one of the largest, certainly of my lifetime, one of the largest tests. What frightens me is the, and I'm going to say this uh, bluntly, what frightens me is I don't think there are people on either side who understand how deep this challenge is. I think there are Democrats who are equally stupid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what you're seeing, and, and I think the scary part is the, the institutions. The disintegration of the Republican and the Democratic Party, right. don't and, you think? Yeah, and what you're seeing is a lot of people, doesn't matter what side they're on, when they get the power that they have sought or been given in their, you know, in their elected position, they're afraid to use it. Or they're corrupted by it. Or they're using it the, the opposite way they should be. Well, I think that But on our side, you're seeing a lot of people who have been put in a position to tackle this and are, are afraid to. Yeah, and, and, and it goes all around. If you look at Mueller, right? Mueller really could have done more. Really could have done more. But Absolutely. He, but he didn't. And he put it on someone else. And the the one who he put on was the Congress, and they're not doing anything, and it's, it's a problem. I think you look at it, everyone says, well, this is a failure of the institution. I, I look at the Constitution and how it was set up. It's a remarkable way to set up a government. I, to this day, I think it is the most human approach to governing ourselves, taking the power supposedly out of, you know, where you see, you know, power used to be. If you go over the British Islands now, there's no king, there's no court. Right. That kind of stuff is gone. Right. It gave us the ability to govern ourselves. But like Pogo said, we have met the enemy and he is us. I think what you touch upon is that fear, and I think that's born of ignorance. And I think we're seeing a, not a failure of the system, but a failure of the people. We're not educated. We're afraid to act. Or, the, or we act corruptly in our own self-interest, Mitch McConnell. And there are a variety of, of reasons why we're where we are. But it appears to me that at the end of the day, it all falls back on us. Right. And so... And I say this with respect to Pelosi, but I think that uh, this is the biggest test of her lifetime, and it's the easiest absolutely. test, and she's failing it. You think... Pelosi is failing. Yeah, I think it's the I think it's the biggest test, the easiest test. It's not a big hurdle to get over, and she is trying to run out the clock. And the, this country, that's the last thing that it needs. It needs a jolt to the system. Do you think that the, either one of these two parties is going to survive the next twenty years? You know, I think the the two party system. Other is than super in name, interesting, right? I mean, the Democratic Party is the oldest party in this country's history, and going back to. Jefferson. Yeah, and it is, uh, you know, I, a lot, some of these other countries, they have a new party every single cycle, but I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I think a lot of people are kind of tired of both, but still, overwhelmingly, the only way to, to run and win is with one of the parties. 
You said earlier um, that you're concerned about the weakness of the Democratic Party. Explain what you mean by that. Well, I think that if you, if you look at what Republicans are doing, aside from the corruption, illegal, you know, but like the fighting back, hitting hard, their voters expect that. And sometimes I wonder, are Democrats not doing this because they feel like their voters know they're weak? Their voters know it's a weak party. They expect them to govern and do the right things, apparently, except for not impeaching. But but Democrats are, are weak in general. I mean, it's it's like we have the majority in the House, and we are sending letter after letter, and no one is responding to these letters. And now we're not even really responding to letters. Now we're bringing Dean to testify next week. I mean, that's like... For what? What's the purpose? For like a history lesson? I mean, I, I respect the guy, but that's not a replacement for McGahn. You know, Hope Hicks and the other today didn't supply the White House documents to Congress because they were told by the White House not to. Weakness is met by aggression, and, you know, we should be out there on offense, and we're continually playing defense in a very weak way. Who could you talk to in the Democratic Party to change that? And what would you recommend be said? I think that it's not going to change for some time. I think that, that you're going to see some things get to the point where they should have months ago on impeachment and other things like that, because in reality, there's no other option. And whether they, it comes to the point of feeling the pressure or whether it comes to a screeching halt, and that's the only thing they can move forward on, I think the bigger piece of this is it's a generational change. And I think that, you know, my generation understands that what's going on is not okay. It's the fight for our lives, but also you're put in that position to do something about it. And you see that with this younger generation in Congress. They're not afraid to speak truth to power. And they also understand that, you know, truth don't care who tell it as long as it's said. Right. And they've put a lot on the lines, including, you know, um, you know their own families security and other things like that to step up and say the right things. I think my generation screwed the pooch, I'll tell you that right now. I think that, and the older members of my generation have screwed it horribly. Um, there are those of us at the end of that, the tail end of the baby boomer generation and um, who agree and see ourselves more aligned with some of the younger members. But I don't think it's, and I do think it's a generational thing, but I also think that it's, it's an education thing. Right. And I, I think that, and it's, and it's, some of it is born of privilege as well. I mean, there, there are people I vehemently disagree with on both sides of the fence. And oftentimes when I talk to them, you get the impression that they never once had to work a day in their life right. for a living. And that, you know, that bugs the living piss out of me. Right. I mean, it, and especially coming from a Democratic Party, which is supposed to be, you know, the, the big tent and the working class. Yeah, the Mueller, Mueller report is a, has, I think, exposed the Mueller report and actually some really good reporters like yourself have exposed a handful of reporters that have made it front and center who really did, had no idea what they were doing. And it's exposed a whole bunch of members of Congress who don't do their job because they haven't even read the Mueller report. It, it, it frightens me the number of people who haven't read the Mueller report. I've read the damn thing three times. I have 50 pages of, of 
50 pages of notations uh, on things that were said in the Mueller report. And it also bothers me that there are people who have read parts of the Mueller report and twist what they've read to fit their agenda. Right. Um, and I don't know how, you, you tell me, how do you deal with that as a Democrat? What do you tell people that are, you know, I just tell people to read the damn report to start off with. Well, I think that what you have is a lot of people in the states who are paying attention, especially on the activist level and volunteer level. And and what you're going to see is, I think, more and more Joe Crowley's this cycle. You know, Steny Hoyer is a great example of somebody who is on borrowed time and in a district where he would lose handedly in a primary with a credible candidate running against him. And not only is Our he... Maryland's own, Steny Hoyer. Yeah. Uh, and he's actually to the right of Nancy Pelosi on impeachment. Yeah, I know. There's, but... And I think that's what, the, you know, some of the stuff that's what it's going to take is, is, you know, I think you, you need uh, new folks in Congress and it's a generational change. And Well, yeah, Chuck Schumer is one that problem. bugs the living piss out of me. I got to tell you, that's I, I, he, he shows up at the White House. First of all, I think he, he the one day when I really got angry with him, he comes out to uh, with Nancy and a few others, and they're going to, after they've had one of their meetings with the president, and he says, listen, let all of us talk before we answer questions. And he really only meant let me talk because right. after he got done talking, then he took some questions. Right. And he was rude, and he, he was very much, to me, reminded me of Trump. And I think he's, a, but that's my personal animus right. against him. Um, well, he's not a, but he's not a fighter either. I mean, that's, that's no, the I whole think thing he's is with everything mouth. going on, what, what has he done? No matter what he says, he has rewarded this president with photo ops. He's an empty suit. I think he's an empty suit. I think most of your leadership are empty suits. Don McGahn says that he's not going to testify. So what do we do? Let's have a meeting about infrastructure. Arrest his ass. set up again. But, you know, fuck. I don't understand. But that's that. what we're doing is we're we're rewarding him with small little wins and things like that and pictures and and he's doing the same thing. He's got signs prepared at the podium after he walks out for an quote unquote impromptu, you know, press event. Oh, you're talking about Trump? Yeah, it's like the, we just what keep rewarding kills him. Me, why why is Schumer and Pelosi it, it was over a, there? I don't know. I and, and it was like a yard sale sign. I had never seen. I, I mean, I've covered every president since Reagan as well. I have never seen the White House so cheapened as to see a yard sale sign in front of the podium in the Rose Garden. Yeah. Uh, I, and it just shocked me beyond belief that, that this was happening in the United States of America. It feels like... I didn't believe it was a real picture. I thought it had been photoshopped. And, I, you know, before I even shared it online, I was trying to figure out if it was real. Cause oh, like, brother, no it was way. real. I took the picture. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, you got to be kidding yeah. me. I, and, uh, that just, just, just kills me but it also kills me that there are people who simply will not believe the truth no matter what it is if it's against trump right i i wrote a story it was a feature story for playboy about the montoursville rally and how even some of the faithful are getting tired of donald trump and i made notice of the fact that if there were six or seven people who passed out and had to be treated by uh, ems for heat exhaustion some guy tweeted out, lie, false news, that, that never happened. It was only 82 degrees that day. Dude, I was there. I, I got no reason to lie about it. Yeah. Those people, the president even stopped his speech and says, hey, I got all day. Take care of these folks. I mean, you know, he did the right thing in that regard. He's, but there are people that simply do not want to believe the facts when presented with them. I don't know how you, I, as, 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 as a 
reporter, I have a hard problem time dealing with that. I don't know how you deal with that as a member of the Democratic Party well, or the Republican folks, Party. It's, it's, it's like, like Donald Trump looks in the mirror every single day and he sees a uh, like one of the most athletic Olympians we've ever had in this country. But the, <laughs> the scarier thing is that uh, you know, 40% of this country sees the same thing. Well, I think, see, there's where I disagree. I think Donald Trump looks at himself in the mirror every morning and is scared to death that today a majority of the people are going to find him out to be the fraud that he knows in his heart he really is. Right. That's what I think he sees. I think he wants to see that Olympian, but I think if he's ever honest with himself, and maybe he's not. I, I mean, like I've, you know, I was asked on CNN the other day, you know, how many lies has he told or what's your favorite lie? I go, look, man, I don't even know if his name's Donald Trump anymore. I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. to believe out of this guy. I mean, that's why, and that's, that's, and that's, I think, what frustrates me and angers me the most about my party is, like, we're not stupid. Don't tell us he wants to be impeached. You know, I mean, like, if there's any reverse <laughs> psychology ever going on with him, that would be the one time where, like, you know, he's somehow been smart enough to convince people that... You know, he wants to be impeached, and the Democrats are going to believe that. It's not just getting close to 50% of the country that, that wants him to be impeached. It's a majority of Democrats want him to be impeached, and he does not want to be impeached. Why would you want to be impeached? Well, the argument is is that he can run as the underdog. I've heard this. I tweeted it out. People are saying, I don't agree with it. I guarantee you from being in that White House, that scares him more right. than anything. But the worst part is that was like a snapshot one week. The goalpost moves every week. It's a new excuse every week. No, no, no. The goalpost moves every five minutes. Yeah. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean also from, from our party in terms of what we're being told and people have had enough. Well, I think your party sucks. I'm going to be honest with you. Although I agree with a lot of uh, you know, I agree with a lot of what the Democrats stand for. I just think the party sucks. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's like you, you know, said. I think there are a lot of weak weaklings in it. I think the party needs to get back to doing what it did from a political standpoint with Howard Dean and others. But from a right side of history standpoint, you know, it sucks to lose, but I'm happy to be with the right party, and I'll you know do everything I can to fix it. But sometimes that comes from the outside, not the inside. You know, a woman has a right to choose. Everyone is entitled to health care. Uh, everyone's entitled to civil rights. Yep. All lives matter. Yep. Whether you're brown, black, white, green, gay, lesbian, all, all of these things, we're all human beings. Those were the, the, when I was growing up, what I was taught was were the key, in many ways, in both parties. The difference was that the Republicans favored, uh, they were, you know, they were socially a little more conservative and fiscally conservative, and the Democrats were a little more, but there were liberal and conservative wings of both parties at right. one point in time. Right. You know, there were the yellow dog Democrats who were very- I remember, yeah. I, my first job was working for uh, for Dingle, and we had some on the committee, Energy and Commerce. And But not nowadays, no, it's, it's far left, it's far right. How do you end that? You know, I think that, uh, I, I, there's a lot of people, though, that you know I talk to every single day that are new, kind of politically getting involved in that stuff. They don't see themselves in the middle. They, they, you know, they 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 think that the days of like the DLC and others are long gone, and that you know they don't like the word kind of extreme, but they're on one end of the spectrum. Now there are a lot of people that are out there that will say they're you know they're fiscally conservative and socially progressive, and but that's just not where we're at. Well, I find that frightening, don't you? I think it's, you know, it is, 
it's interesting, it's challenging, but I think that all we can do is deal with where we are right now. And we know Donald Trump's playbook. It's not changing. He has, you know. No, we do know Donald Trump's playbook. He has, it's thin, yeah. skinned, yeah, and, it often <laughs> and very likes, loud. It, it, you know, it's like he's, uh, it doesn't hold forever. He, you know, he, he's run out of plays, and it's the same old thing. It's predictable. When Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer go to the White House, who would have thought he's going to walk out and go do what he oh. did? I mean, he's done it yeah. over and over. Well, but on going back to either side of the political spectrum, it used to be in this country, I disagree with what you say, but defend to death your right to say it. Today on both ends, it's either you agree with me or die. And that's frightening to me. Yeah, I think that... Um, Did you ever see the movie The American President? Yes. There's a great line in there that Michael Douglas delivers, and he said, Advan you know, um, democracy is advanced citizenship. You've got to really want it. You've got to be able to tolerate someone standing up and shouting at, at the top of their lungs that which you oppose most vehemently. Show me that, defend that, and then you then you know you're 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 part of the America. And that that to me, we've I think we've lost yeah. if we ever had it. Well, I think you know part of it. I'm on a different side of the aisle than someone that I would be arguing against me on this. But you know the Republicans don't step up and push back against easy things like. You know, foreign interference in our elections. <laughs> no fake kidding. News. And, you know, so that makes it a lot harder. It does. Who's going to be the, you know, that? and that's the other movie. You know, who's going to be the first to, you know, put down the sword and say, hey. It, yeah. uh, and, and, and the thing is, Democrats need to step up and also take back some of these words. Like, you know, patriots and, I mean, the flag. They yeah. are the defenders of this country right now, the defenders of the Constitution. Why do the Democrats not do that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it bugs a living piss out of me on a daily basis. It's uh, it's wild, but so what's your favorite movie about politics? You know, um, that's a great question. I'm <laughs> glad I'm not running for office. I'm not sure I can answer that. <laughs> I just started watching The Americans. Oh, that's a. And I'm actually almost done with it, and uh, it's basically an extension of living in the Trump era, just yeah, watching an hour at night. But it was in the Reagan era. Exactly. <laughs> And I remember it all too well. <laughs> but it's it's basically the uh, the Reagan era uh, with the knife and knife sharpened and taken online. I mean, it's really just the same old you know kind of Cold War tactics with you know KGB yeah. and others. Well, and we and we don't realize it today that we still have that we we thought we won the Cold War and put it behind us and Russia said, hey, and that's so quick. <laughs> well, I think one of the interesting stats too was maybe it was after the 2016 election. Someone in the intelligence community publicly said that there's actually more Russian agents that work for the government working in the United States than there are in Russia. That is the Americans. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington comes to mind for yeah, me. You know. But that's, you know, I, I even like the West Wing. I like, I, I didn't like, what was the one, um, Kevin Spacey, House of, that one, House of Cards. Yeah, I, yeah I've, I didn't like that. I'm one. more of like a Breaking Bad, Dexter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that that's a political show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dexter definitely reminds me of, yeah, exactly. of DC politics. Well, listen, Adam, it's been a, a great. Good Lord, we're already almost an hour into this. <laughs> you got to come back. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I appreciate it. And um, one of the things I want to touch on going into 2020 is what the Democrats are doing. What you think more can be done so love to have you back to talk about some great. of that uh the name of the show is just ask the question again i am your host brian karam and thanks for joining us catch you next time